Welcome to the iSector Selections Podcast. Today's guest is iSector's Chief Investment, Chief Compliance, and Chief Operating Officer, Chuck Self, who will talk to us today about how financial advisors can continue to have thriving clients in the next down market. Nice to have you, Jordan. Thank you for being here for this. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, Chuck, what is your take on the possible slowdown in the current market? Well, uh, 2017, as you know, was a time of uh, the great markets with the S&P 500 up uh, 22, 23% on a total return uh, basis. Uh, and, and, and actually, uh, the commodities market also ended up uh, doing very well uh, last year, especially industrial metals. So it was uh, somewhat broad uh, as, as far as the increase. Uh, it, they were unusually strong uh, markets last year, and, and uh, we don't expect in 2018 that they're going to uh, be as strong as they were in 2017. Uh, I, everyone knows that valuations are, are historically high, and of course they were historically high a year ago, so uh, you, you can't by that yourself say that's going to be the catalyst. But we are concerned that the uh, Fed may increase interest rates two, three, some people even think four times this year, and and uh, intermediate long-term end of the curve is not likely to rise much higher because the uh, prospect for a, tr- a tremendous uh, growth in inflation is not there. So we think that the yield curve is going to flatten from the short end, and usually as that happens, you, you get into uh, slower economic growth. We think we're 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 moved from the uh, mid cycle to the late cycle of of this uh, economic recovery, and in the mid cycle, the stocks that have done well, uh, technology uh, being the number one sector last year, is uh, is usually a, a good sector in the mid cycle. In the late cycle, you start uh, investors start gravitating towards companies where there is a, a, you know that. Uh, growth and certainly earnings are much more stable. So you'll see utilities, uh, inter- energy uh, will would be uh, in there, um, and even financials because the short-term interest rates are going up and they can make more money uh, in, in those sectors. So we're expecting um, uh, we, we're still fully invested. We we um, are happy to see the uh, strong start to 2018. And uh, we, we think that investors have got to position themselves for a potential uh, drop. Now, when you look um, in, over the last 37 uh, years, you'll find that on average there's been an intra-year decline of 14%, uh, and a median is, is 11%. So you know, somewhere in the low double digits would, would be a completely normal amount of, de- of decline in a year, and since we haven't had a decline uh, uh, like that for uh, a couple of years, clients uh, have forgotten that it, it, it could happen. So um, advisors uh, need to uh, start thinking about what will happen uh, in, in the next correction and, and then maybe even in the next bear market if that's going to happen um, in the next couple of years. Do you think uh, advisors' clients will be upset when another down market comes along? Isn't it better to be safe than sorry? 
Well, yeah, uh, I think our our uh, what we've seen in the past is that uh, uh, financial advisors do a great job, uh, especially you know now here in the in the twenty teen tw- uh, twenty teens, uh, do a great job coming up with with uh, financial uh, plans. They they are sophisticated software to do it. They explain it to the clients. They show the projections uh, that over the long run you'll get a certain type of return. Uh, you may even talk about what kind of risk that it could it could have uh, in the port in the in the plan. Uh, but you know, all in all, the plans are great. Um, and and then um, we have a decline. Of, you know, a ten percent or more decline, and all of a sudden, clients are calling or texting or emailing or whatever uh, because they're concerned that their uh, program is is uh, not working for them. And again, this could be worse this time because mm-hmm. uh, clients have very much seen uh, upside uh, to the the market, and so uh, they do that, and they they say, "I can't sleep at night," so you got to sell everything, and they go into cash and cash. My saying is cash is trash in that uh, the, uh, the the problem with, with cash are three things. One, you get the absolute re- uh, worst re- uh, returns over time in cash. Secondly, uh, people always tend to sell uh, towards the bottom. And then you've got to have the third, uh, dis- uh, the, the other side, and that is the third th- thing, and that is that you've got to buy um, before the market starts going up again. And so... Uh, we don't. What, what advisors have to do is uh, set up their clients' portfolios so that the uh, uh, odds of that happening are, are significantly less, and, uh, and that way, uh, in in the next market de- decline, there's a greater probability that it, uh, that uh, clients will allow the advisors to just let their program. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on. And then you won't have to worry about timing. That's yeah. right. That's right. And 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 of course, uh, as advisors, the greatest value you bring to the table is keeping uh, clients invested. In the long run, stocks are going to outperform all other asset classes. But if if uh, the advisor has to uh, make changes to the portfolio based on the client's emotions, then it's likely that the clients are going to uh, have. Uh, uh, less than uh, optimal results, and when they have to, when they have less than optimal results, they don't blame themselves; they blame the advisor. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, you want to make sure that you have your client's portfolio set up so that uh, there's a low probability that uh, emotion will take over the management of the portfolio. Um, can you tell us a little bit what iSectors is doing to be ready to combat um, the next downturn market? Well, the, the whole uh, one of our themes uh, that uh, that we've rolled out on iSectors is that uh, we have uh, solutions, investment solutions for all seasons, and that's whether there's uh, we're in a bull market, we're a bear market, whether equities are doing better, fixed income. Uh, commodities, alternative investments, and so uh, the, one of the great things about working with I sectors is because we have 16 solutions, we can come up with a solution that uh, you know we could work with advisors to come up with the solutions that would best fit their their clients' uh, portfolios, and so um, we we are very careful 
to, tr to try to manage the downside risk in all of our uh, allocations, all of our, st our strategy. Uh, and, and if we do that, then clients will stay invested and, and advisors will have uh, happy clients over the long run. Uh, so that that's generally uh, that's that's what we uh, do. So um, so you know we get we work on keeping um, uh, the clients invested and all of our strategies. Cash is uh, outside of outside of one uh, tactical strategy. Cash is not a an asset class we allocate to. Uh, there's always better asset classes out there in which to invest, and, um, and, and so that's the focus of our work for advisors. Okay, nice. And you mentioned that cash is trash, so what can advisors do to keep their clients fully invested? Well, there's a number of ways they can uh, do that. Now, obviously, one of the things they could do is that they could have a long-term allocation that, it, that uh, actually reflects a lower risk profile than, than the client actually has. Uh, although uh, advisors may have been getting some calls in the current market of, you know, why, why are my stocks not going up as much as my neighbor's stocks? Uh, the, the, again, uh, the, the major concern is uh, losing money in, in, <clears throat> in, uh, in, in down markets. And so um, you, you could allocate in a way that is uh, less uh, uh, tied to what you think their uh, true risk profile uh, is. But, you know, you do that at a cost of return uh, because uh, over time, uh, the less risk you take, the less return you know, you're going to uh, get. And so um, uh, that's the downside of doing that. Um, another way to do that is to invest some of the portfolio and strategies that uh, vary the amount in equities based on expected return and, and risk. Uh, and these strategies, uh, the best of these strategies, uh, do not use uh, you know, really simple methods to do that asset allocation, but you know, take advantage of uh, the computational uh, methods and statistical uh, models that are available to us here in, in uh, 2017. Um, I, uh, we we wrote a a, a uh, blog post, and uh, I'm happy to send it to anyone that's interested in receiving it, or you could find it on on iSectors.com that uh, describes uh, the folly of trying to do a a simple type of allocation uh, a method called trend following. Trend following is uh, very um, prevalent out there as a way to try to increase or decrease uh, equity exposures in portfolios. Um, I, I, I'm a fixed income uh, guy by nature, and in the fixed income market, uh, trend following uh, seems to work. And in fact, I, I managed a fund at one point that was a, a trend following fund on the fixed income side. But the equity side is completely different, and so uh, uh, we many of our competitors will use uh, uh, trend following strategies that uh, and and their performance show that uh, they don't uh, work real well in the equity market 
there's a number of uh, academic papers out there, which is in the post that, uh, again, I'm happy to send you or you can find on isectors.com. Uh, it has the, the snappy name of equity trend following strategies are shams. Uh, so uh, you, if you if you uh, uh, Google uh, trend following and shams, you you you'll probably get to uh, the article. But uh, there are a number of article a uh, number of academic studies that show that uh, this is not uh, uh, that this doesn't work over long uh, periods of time. And so um, so that's. Uh, that's that's uh, where we think that investors uh, and and their advisors have to go in order to um, uh, get uh, keep keep the clients invested and yet to get the return that's necessary to meet their needs. Okay, nice. Um, how do advisors find these strategies that would fit the requirements? Um, does uh, I sectors have any recommendations? Yeah, uh, uh, you know the, these strategies have to have certain components. One, again, they got to have a process that is statistically uh, rigorous. Second, they have to have many factors uh, in the process to uh, uh, compute the uh, risk and return expectations. Uh, there we have. Uh, I know we have competitors in which. It's all based on one or two factors out there to determine whether uh, how much you can allocate to different uh, asset classes or different uh, sectors. The problem is is that uh, all factors will have times in which they falter, and if you only have one or two or three factors and one of them falters, then the strategy um, ends up uh, going off the rails, and, and so. Uh, you got to have a, a, a large uh, number of uh, factors. Second, you got to have uh, truly diversified uh, portfolios that gets created as part of this uh, uh, process. In order to be truly diversified, the asset classes to which the the strategy allocates has to be able to um, uh, has to be, I should say, un, you know, uncorrelated or low correlated, maybe even negative correlated to each other. That's how you get true diversification. Uh, just because you have 12 asset classes doesn't mean you're diversified. If 10 of the 12 asset classes are U.S. equity uh, asset classes, then the, the, it's not likely you're going to be able to get a diversified portfolio. But if you get mixtures of, of truly um, uncorrelated uh, equity sectors or classes, mm -hmm. add in uh, some non-equity classes, you could get uh, true diversification. And then finally, uh, we think that the, the process has to focus on reducing downside risk um, as opposed to outperforming an index. The problem with coming up with strategies to outperform the index is that you, you, you might be able to come up with one that over time does that, but uh, if, if in years like 2008, the strategy um, uh, just slightly outperforms the down 37% market or, or matches it, or even worse yet, it underperforms in, 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 uh, in years like uh, 2008, then clients are going to uh, you know, call and say sell or they're going to mm -hmm. leave you or whatever because you know, they've seen a 40% uh, downturn. Uh, I, I just said at a conference last year, I, I saw a presentation in which a, a person from a, a very famous uh, ETF provider 
um, shown how great their their um, model portfolio is. They're using a number of factors like low volatility and value uh, and momentum and, and so on. And yes, over time it did well, but it underperformed in 2008. Well, if clients were in, uh, if they even had more um, mm -hmm. uh, negative re results than the market gave in 2008, it's not likely many clients are going to, to stick with that. Makes sense. Um, is there an optimal mix of equity allocations? Well, uh, there's a number of different ways you could do this. Um, what we have found over time is that uh, a, a mix uh, for the equity allocations in which 50% is a static index-based uh, allocation uh, that's you know relatively low cost, uh, married with a 50% allocation to one of these t uh, type of uh, rules-based uh, quantitative strategies is the, the most optimal. Because uh, what happens is, is as I indicated, uh, you end up, uh, even though you end up having lower downside risk in, in uh, bear markets for these uh, rule-based tactical strategies, you sometimes don't get as much uh, uh, of the positive return in, in uh, bull markets. And so um, you, you, you want, again, keep the clients happy mm -hmm. in all markets. And so by having um, the 50% of the equity allocation into an index fund, they're going to participate with the market in the bull markets, but you've cut down the uh, downside risk in, in, in uh, bear markets by having the uh, rule-based system. And so, um, it, it, again, uh, it, it may be different clients have uh, are, are different mm -hmm. different sensitivities to the downside risk. And certainly, I think the rule of thumb would be is that the uh, more sensitive you think a client is a downside risk, the higher the percentage uh, should be in uh, the rules-based tactical strategy. But you know, as as a general average, uh, that uh, we have advisors that use our strategies, we find that uh, they seem to be very happy with the 50-50 mix between index-based and uh, tactical strategies. Okay. So it just really depends on the client's needs. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, it's, it's knowing your client mm -hmm. and, and to the extent, you know, if, if, if you knew your client would sleep at night in, in a down 40, down 50% market, then you should just own an index fund. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that that's that's the uh, easiest way to to uh, invest uh, those clients' monies. But you know, we we all all advisors have a large number of clients that uh, you know are not uh, happy, or they're you know they're they're important in their lives, so they're in retirement where they just can't afford to have a, a down fifty percent uh, uh, portfolio, and so that's why it's good to have. The, the ability to uh, blend in some of the uh, rules-based tactical strategies. Okay. Um, so you talked about the downside uh, risk. Um, how does I-Sector's post-MPT growth allocation um, do in negative market? Well, yeah, um, and, I, and probably I should talk a little bit about um, the I-Sector post-MPT growth allocation um, in that uh, we actually have two... Um, uh, post MPT alloc allocations, we have a, a growth that it has that's measured against the S and P five hundred, and then we have a moderate that's measured against a sixty percent S P five hundred, forty percent 
Bloomberg Barclays Ag Aggregate Bond Index. But let's just talk about uh, post-APT growth. Um, the strategy's been around since 2005. In fact, on February 1st of uh, 2018, it'll be 13 years that the strategy has uh, uh, been around. And so it's been around in both good and bad markets, the very bad, the worst markets uh, uh, in my career and in some of the best markets in, in my career. And so uh, it, it's been uh, tested with real money uh, over time. And post-MPT growth has all of these uh, requirements that I talked about before. Uh, it uses 21st century uh, statistical and computational methods. It, it um, uh, has uh, over a dozen factors that it, that it utilizes. It utilizes very diversified group of, of uh, sectors in the, in the portfolios uh, so that uh, you can have a diversified portfolio. And the um, optimization that goes into it uh, focuses on downside risk. Again, we don't focus on trying to beat the market all the time. It, our view is if we can uh, reduce or eliminate downside risk in the down markets, then uh, the long-term performance will take care of itself. And mm -hmm. so, um, and that has been our experience um, uh, his, historic, historically. Uh, so, um, uh, what we, we did do a study, though, that uh, you, you may find interesting and the, and the listeners would find interesting, in which we took every three-month time frame since the bear market, uh, let's, starting in 2010 on, uh, to see um, how what post-NPT growth did during the period, that period of time. Now we could have taken we um, the we could start it from the beginning and, and included a 2007-2009 time frame, but uh, the, the strategy uh, just killed it in, in 2008. Uh, and the market was down 37 percent, and the strategy was down only 16. So it was actually it actually outperformed by 21. Uh, percentage points, 2,100 basis points uh, in 2008. So, um, so to be fair, I, I, I didn't even include the, the 2007 to 2009 times. But again, if you go on our website and, and, and look at uh, the performance or contact me, uh, you could see that uh, we did a great job of managing downside risk in, in uh, the worst market in most of our careers. Uh, so starting in 2010, we, we uh, took all the three-month rolling periods in which the S&P 500 uh, had negative returns uh, through the end of 2017. And uh, there are 18 of those uh, three-month uh, periods. And uh, in of the uh, uh, 18 periods, there were actually seven periods in which uh, the post-MPT growth had positive returns. Uh, when when the S and P five hundred had had negative returns, uh, the, um, and uh, we had one period in which uh, the S and P five hundred was down a little more than two percent, and S P and post M P T growth is up over thirteen percent. So uh, we you know we had some uh, uh, big changes. Another one in which the uh, market was down almost fourteen percent, the S P and post uh, post growth was up over three percent. So, uh, it, we we've had some um, great periods. Um, yeah, and the, you know, the other eleven of them, uh, post MPT growth was was down, but in the uh, vast uh, uh, you know majority of them, it was down less than 
the S&P 500. Now, it didn't happen 100% of the mm -hmm. time. We don't guarantee that it's, it's going to happen every time the market goes down. But that's our historical record. Mm -hmm. And so um, and, and uh, so of the 18 periods, the, uh, the post-MPT growth was ahead in 11 of, of those 18 periods. And the average difference was a little over 3%. Uh, the median difference was a little over um, on 1%. And so... Uh, again, uh, you know, this to extent that uh, uh, we can give you some give you some assurance that that the strategy uh, tends you know tends to do this, uh, you might find that research uh, interesting. And again, it's uh, it's on the blog of our uh, of our post. Uh, it's a blog post on our on our website. Uh, and I could uh, send it to you. Um, is there any specific reason that uh, post-MPT growth uh, exhibited these um, great returns? Yeah, um, and you know, again, all these uh, requirements that I talked about before really played in, into it. Uh, by having over a, a dozen inputs, um, it, it, uh, it, it really uh, um, gives you the ability to uh, get a, a good feeling about when uh, the market could be in a downturn and thus reduce risk. Reduce risk. And you know, I want to be very clear about this. This is not a market timing model. We're not saying that when uh, the model uh, that the model will turn, will give you a signal to you know completely get out of the market. And in fact, uh, we don't go to cash at all. Um, we just uh, change the allocation between the uh, nine sectors that we uh, invest in. And so uh, this is not a market timing exercise. It's a matter of uh, when is it okay to have a relatively high-risk portfolio given uh, the inputs to these factors and when, it, and when you should just have a lower-risk portfolio. And so, um, and, and because post-MPT growth can own some non-index sectors such as U.S. Uh, Treasury bonds and and gold stocks. It allows uh, you get the diverse diversification that is necessary in order to uh, make this work. So you know, let me give you some examples. Um, in mid-year uh, 2010, uh, you know, we had a uh, a negative market in, uh, for most of that year. Um, and then we had a three-month period of time in which uh, the S&P 500 was down 3%, and we were uh, up 8.5%. Um, as you, uh, at, you know, towards the beginning, of the, uh, uh, towards uh, mid-year 2010, um, post-MPT growth was allocated only to treasury bonds, gold stocks, and utilities. And of course, utility stocks are a low-risk uh, sector. So... The portfolio uh, was really not exposed much to the 16% decline that took place uh, that year. Well, in 2011, that same um, thing happened. Uh, it's at the beginning of 2011, uh, when the market was going up, we had a low allocation utilities. We didn't have any exposure to uh, treasury bonds. But uh, as the year went on, it said it's time to get to a lower risk of, uh, position, uh, such that by mid-year, Portfolio um, was eighty uh, per, uh, percent in uh, both uh, treasury bonds and, and you know the, the combined was eighty percent treasury bonds and utilities. 
And then in that uh, big correction in 2011, the port, uh, portfolio returns were uh, protected. And then in, in 2015, um, 2016, uh, and, and uh, I remember this because it's only a few years ago, I remember this uh, uh, very clearly, uh, the stock market had done you know, uh, decently uh, well in 2015. Uh, and and uh, at the end of 2015, all of a sudden, the, the model said it's time to uh, reduce risk and increase treasury bond positions. And being a bond guy, I, I said, wow, well, why would uh, the, the model want more treasury bonds when uh, the 10-year treasury is at 2 and a quarter percent? Uh, you know, how much lower can it go? Well, as, as we all know, it actually went down to under 140 um, in uh, subsequent months, and the market dropped 19%. And so uh, having those healthy treasury bond positions and, and utilities um, uh, and also being over, uh, overweighted to financial stocks that had gotten cheap um, and eventually recovered all helped our performance during uh, those times. So um, again, um, past performance is not indicative of future returns, I, uh, and, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But it it certainly is uh, historically, at least, this modeling work has done a good job of knowing when to uh, take risk, you know, to take <coughs> risk, and then to take risk off the table. Okay. Um, if one of our um, listeners out there. Is a, inter- is a financial advisor and is looking uh, more how to protect their client's assets in a market decline. Can they contact you? Yeah, sure. And, and so, you know, if you're a financial advisor um, and you're interested in learning more on how to protect uh, the, uh, your assets in, in market declines, uh, probably the first person um, to talk to is Scott Jones because he's much more available than I, I do. He's our, our director of business development. Uh, his number is 800-869-5184. Uh, you can reach him at scott.jones at isectors, with an S at the end, dot com. Um, and again, his number and email is on the, webs- the website. Um, another good way to reach us is to register on our website, uh, isectors.com, and then you can receive all of our information on, on our models that we have uh, for the uh, for the public and for your clients, including background papers, we have a white paper on on the strategy. So if you really want to get deep into it, you can. Um, you, you'll be able to see all of our blog posts talking about it, and um, it's in, um, in it's important to understand that uh, post MPT can not only be used as an equity allocation but it could also be used as an alternative uh, allocation. And we got white papers on that and information uh, on that uh, on the, the, webs- the website. Um, we're in uh, a complete website remodel, so uh, we, we'll be able to serve you better as time goes on. But we hope in, in a month or so that we'll have it all up and, and you know, there shouldn't be any problems in the meantime. If you're an individual investor, we do not work with individual investors. We only work with uh, a select group of financial advisors. And so uh, if you're an individual investor, uh, please contact Scott Jones 
again and again you can get his number and information from the website and and he'll give you a recommended eye sectors advisor that, that help you best determine which of our 16 and in what uh, allocations that in what pro proportions they should be uh, for uh, your portfolio but you could also call me too I'm happy to uh, talk to uh, advisors or, or individuals and my telephone number my direct number is area code 920-257-5168 or you can email me at chuck.self s as in sierra e l f s in foxtrot at isectors.com and i'm on linkedin twitter facebook google plus and you can um, look look for me there well thank you for joining us today chuck and for our listeners, uh, the new iSector Selections podcast will be coming out in a couple weeks. Thanks again, Chuck. Thank you very much, Jordan.